0: Once again, and welcome to episode 79 of Bee Boomer Unleashed. I'm Jerry Lake, the Unleashed Baby Boomer, and I'll be your host for today's episode and all the episodes of Bee Boomer Unleashed. Today's episode, the first in a two-part interview with another millennial who was also a former student of mine, Mr. Sam Denning. We'll be introducing Sam here in just a little bit. But we're going to continue our talk about today's fascination with socialism, particularly by the millennial generation. And we'll be talking about that shortly in part one of that recorded interview with Sam. Before we get into today's interview, let me remind you, as always, where you can find our podcast. You can always find us at bboomerunleashed.podbean.com. You can find us on iTunes and Google Play at B. Boomer Unleashed. You can also find us on iHeartRadio at B. Boomer Unleashed, On Facebook and Spotify and Instagram, you can find our link at B. Boomer Unleashed. On Twitter at B. Boomer Unleashed one And as always, we encourage you to drop us an email at B. Boomer Unleashed at gmail.com. Once again, that's bboomerunleashed at gmail.com. Drop us your comments, your suggestions, your criticisms, suggestions for future episodes, and as always, if you'd like to be a guest on the BBoomer Unleashed podcast, uh, give us an idea of what you want to talk about and we'll try our best to get you on our program. Well, like I say, uh, last week and the week before, we talked with uh, millennial Stephen Casey and his take on on, uh, socialism and why it's so appealing to uh, these millennials that we have out there. Well, this week we go to another uh, millennial, a little bit older than Stephen, but um, is uh, definitely in that millennial age group, and his name is Sam Denning, and he's from Huntington, West Virginia. He was one of my students at Huntington High School when I was principal there, and we're going to talk to him today about this business of socialistic fascination. Well, without further ado, let's go to that recorded interview with Sam right now. Well, folks, uh, we're privileged to have with us today Mr. Sam Denning and. Uh, you know, I seem to end up with a lot of my old students on this podcast. Uh, we uh, That's because we've had thousands of them over the years, I guess, and uh, it's a pleasure to keep in contact with some of them and see some of them at the grocery store and whatever. And, and uh, this young man, Sam Denning, uh, was uh, listening to a podcast the other day and he uh, shot me an email, like I ask you all to do all the time, and say, uh, hey, "If you'd like to talk, we'd we'd love to talk with you." And so, that's what brings us here today. So, uh, Sam, welcome to B Boomer Unleashed.
1: It's yes, uh, honor and a uh, privilege.
0: Okay, we're we're glad to have you. Hey, uh, uh, you know we haven't had a lot of contact since high school. I've seen you out a few times, and it was real good, kind of catching up the other day. Uh, so what do you do with yourself? And Sam is a millennial. He's one of those pesky millennials, by the way, just like uh, Stephen was. But uh, we'll talk a little more about that later. But Sam, what have you been doing with yourself? And You got a family? What, what's going on?
1: Yeah, I'll tell you a little bit about myself. I've had a uh, bit of a uh, crazy career, so to speak, crazy life since I left high school. I don't know if you recall, but while I was at Huntington High, Uh, Mr. Oyster in his physics class asked us to do a project, and I said, "You know, I'm going to date the age of the school hill."
0: Right. And one
1: day, I don't know, you know, it made it in the newspaper because one day I asked my mom to stop her car so I could go out and get a couple rocks off the, you know, the cutout there because it was a little newer back then, and uh, went up and grabbed some, and lo and behold, when I went home, I busted them open. There was a bunch of fossils in there, so I contacted a professor from Marshall, Dr. Ron Martino, and. He proceeded to help me age it. Some of those fossils actually had not been seen in this area before, so it kind of was a little bit of a big deal. I was a senior at Lincoln High. I made it on the front page of the newspaper because somehow somebody got wind of it. But long story short, that led me into going to Virginia Tech uh, and getting my uh, bachelor's degree in geosciences in 06 and uh, stayed on there and got my master's degree in uh, geosciences in 2008, right in the heart of the financial crisis. Um, I never – now, I did work for a natural gas company, Equitable Resources, but I've not actually really used my degrees in any capacity because, you know, I've had some life issues like everybody does. Everybody's got ups and downs, I suppose. Uh, Right right after I got my master's, I had a pretty serious uh, time in my life. And, you know, I uh, have since then uh, took lemons and made lemonade. There you go. And, and that's why I've reached out to you, because I feel like I'm a millennial that's on the older brackets, born in 1983, and I have uh, a little bit different perspective. Uh, so I did never, you know, I never ended up using my uh, degree as an actual career. I do still know many things and could probably teach classes. But uh, I have, since then, started a lawn care business because I saw that there was a need for that. Uh, At one point, I was mowing over 100 yards a week and had two to three full-time employees. Um, And I slowly chiseled away at buying pieces of rental property around Huntington. Some dilapidated that I repaired, some already up and running. Uh, and I now own or in partners with uh, a guy in approximately 20 different buildings.
0: That's great. Uh,
1: So I also married a woman from China. Her name is Ying, and we have two beautiful young boys, a three-year-old named Owen and a six-month-old named Otto.
0: That's awesome. You know, uh, was this career path... um, a shock or a surprise to your family? You, you, you've got a long line of people in the medical profession, different professions in, in your background there. Were they shocked at that or were they supportive or what, what did you find
1: on that? Well, you know, everybody growing up always used to say you're going to be a doctor too. And while I was in high school, my oldest brother was in residency for anesthesiology. So he's an anesthesiologist. Uh, and my dad and my grandfather were surgeons at the time. Uh, like you said, many many people. You know, why don't you just go and be a doctor? you be a doctor. You know, you've got good enough grades. I think, and it wasn't a matter of uh, not being able to keep with it. I think I'm a very driven person. But it was just, I don't know. This really fascinated me, and it sparked it sparked me, and I thought it would be something to pursue. And, and my my grandfather, Doctor Cummings, you know, he oh, yeah. encouraged me remember him but he used to always ask me and everybody I knew you know and you know what are you going to do with that degree so like when I was a senior in high school or, or, and he asked what I was going to do in college he'd say well what are you going to do with that and that's a question I don't think you know people are afraid and we'll probably get into this but nowadays people are afraid to offend somebody by asking that question right but that that's an important question because what are you going to do with those degrees? And at the time I just said, you know, I'll maybe go work for the geological survey or something. I had no idea that that's actually a good degree because it's a very important degree for the oil and gas industry, which is enormous. Um, so it was a, it was actually a career path that would have, I could have seen the fruits of my labor, uh, in, but, uh, you know, they were surprised. I would say that you know, I, I was student body president you know, right. in two thousand two. You know, I was in the, I think, top ten of my graduating class in GPA. Uh, you know, I feel like I've got a good personality. I had a lot of little attributes about me that maybe I would have been a good doctor. Maybe I still could be.
0: <laughs> right.
1: You know, I'm thirty six. So, so yeah, most most of my family they're, they're all they're all what you would consider a, a professionals. You know, bankers, brothers, police officer, Right. You know, like that. Well, you
0: know that, that was one of the neat things about Huntington High School. Huntington High School, and of course I was principal there when, while you were a student there. And um, it was real world. We had um, everything from um, no money to old money and everything in between. But what intrigued me about... Huntington High School, is there were so many opportunities there. Uh, There were, you know, it's like any school. We had some lousy teachers, too, you know, but we had some very gifted teachers, and you mentioned Larry Oyster, and uh, wow, what a a great teacher he was, and there were a lot of teachers there like that who let, let the students get their hands dirty. And uh, let the students um, experience some uh, real world, ex- uh, real world um, opportunities, and um, you just don't see that at every high school. And I, I think, you know, Huntington High is kind of a microcosm of of um, the whole country, you know. And and I think that school served a lot of people well in launching a lot of different careers. what, what do you think?
1: I would venture to say that that's very true. Um, you know, Mr. Eagleston, a chemistry teacher, oh, yeah. he comes to mind, and obviously Mr. Oyster. But there were things that I learned from Mr. Eagleston in his chemistry class that when I went to Virginia Tech, and, you know, it's a big-time engineering school, and my first two semesters of chemistry there, I didn't learn anything that I didn't already know from Huntington I Yeah. He's, I mean, it was, it was a brief.
0: He was—he was a great teacher, really was.
1: And the same thing with Mr. Oyster in physics, and you know, I had—I think that there was a slew of math teachers there that were really good. Oh yeah. And I say that sincerely because I think that uh, math is almost the backbone of all the hard science. I got. You have to have a good foundation of that math, and if you don't, you're going to get left behind.
0: I got tickled. I we think, had yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. No, you go ahead.
1: I just think that Huntington High had some very good, and I, I'm, I'm sure they still do, but when I went through there, they had great teachers.
0: They had a great language department, too. I, I remember uh, we had a student transfer in from, uh, we won't say the name of the high school, but it was another high school. We, we used to call them Brand X. I don't know if you remember that or not. But anyway, uh, they transferred in, and the counselors got her schedule uh, all fixed up, and she had completed Spanish 1 at the other school and was in Spanish 2. Well, she lasted about a week, and she came to me and said, Mr. Lake, and said, I, I, I don't think I can make it in there. And I said, well, why is that? Didn't you? Well, yeah, I got an A in Spanish 1. I said well, what's the problem? She said, they're speaking Spanish, and I said, I, I said, well, it is Spanish, too, you know. She said, well, we never learned to speak any Spanish. I said, what would you do? Oh, we wrote, and did worksheets and stuff, you know, and I said, well, that's just a little different, And and I think we had a lot of teachers like that at Huntington High who really, really were the cream of the crop, you might say, and I was, uh, I was just. It was a privilege for me to be the principal there for as long as I was, and I'd probably still be principal there today. But uh, politics at that level gets kind of uh, dirty sometimes, and there's a lot of mean people out there. But, but I digress. But uh, I loved being a the principal there. Loved the kids. I mean, it was it was a great experience for me.
1: We loved you. Uh, well, I, I know
0: that I did. I appreciate that. We had fun. We had a good time. You know, let's talk about these generations a little bit, and then we're going to get into the millennials and their fascination with socialism. But the last couple of weeks, we've been talking to Steve Casey. He's an old Huntington High School student too, and I know you and Steve are acquainted. And but let's talk about these generations. Uh, people born 1940 to 45. A lot of us refer to that as the greatest generation, and I guess the official name for it is traditionalists. But these people, uh, like I say, were born from 1900 to 1945. They went through World War I. They went through World War II. They went through the Korean War. You know, they went through the Great Depression. Uh, I mean, this was a tough generation. And then those of us who were born between 1946 and 64 are labeled baby boomers, and obviously the reason we're labeled that is uh, Johnny came marching home, and uh, he and uh, Mama made up for lost time, and they had a whole bunch of babies, so we're, we're the boomers. Now, the boomers, uh, and I'm not, I'm not going to say that I had much of a part in that, but You know, it's my generation, so I'm going to have to take part of the blame. The boomers, I think, created some problems for the Gen Xers and the millennials. We, most of us were first generation, not all of us, but most of us were the first generation to go to college. And, uh, you know, we, you know, thought that that was the end all. Everybody needed to go to college, you know, so. We've probably given some people some bad advice along the ways, but we kind of let things get away from us. But 65 through 80, the Gen Xers, uh, they're kind of an in-between generation. And then you guys came along, 81 through 2000 is the Millennials, uh, Latchkey Kids. Those are the folks who were, who were, who were in there. And then uh, from 2001 to now, they call them the IGenners. So I guess that's because the iPads and iPhones, they're all technology natives. But, yeah, you know, millennials grew up, uh, you probably can't remember a time really when you didn't have some sort of computer or some kind of computerized device. I mean, when I grew up in high school, we used a slide rule to do trigonometry on, you know. So um, most people don't even know what that is. But your generation in particular, and your all generation really coming of age in uh, the political arena. And, uh, you know, the greatest generation, that, that bunch that was born before 1945, you know, Democrats, for example, weren't the same as Democrats today. They weren't socialists. And I don't necessarily think the Democratic Party has turned into socialists. I think the socialists have commandeered the Democratic Party, and um, for for lack of a better word, I think that's what they did. But this socialistic view of you know no private property and the government being involved in everything, you know, Sam, uh, why do you think these millennials flock towards socialism? Why, why do you think that?
1: Well, there's a couple big. Uh, key reasons that I believe, um, first of all, we were all basically uh, prodded into going to university. Right. We were we were convinced, you know, that that was the right thing to do, because it was for your generation, you know, um, it was something new, it was something that not everybody had, but it started to, to get to be... Uh, almost just um, what do they call it, the college industrial complex right. uh, and we got shuffled into that and I think people were made to believe that you get this piece of paper and you know you have a, uh, a level of expectation that with that piece of paper you would automatically have career employment um, and that's just not the case uh, and I think that because of that, people began to think twice about the way that maybe our current system is running. Uh, Many of those same people, which are my age, have now been stuck in low-wage jobs. And with that, they believe that there's no upward mobility, and that kind of gets them intrinsically leaning towards socialism. Uh, You know, the people that my age that I feel like Seem to uh, not be be able to have any hope for any further you know, do better than they are now, and I'm speaking solely on financial and uh, personal reasons, not social reasons, right, just the right. sorts of reasons. Uh, but anyway, I also think that another major issue is that very few of us own real property. By that I mean actual you know homes. Uh, and they don't have the responsibility that goes along with owning a home. Um, You know, that's where everyone of your generation and and, and earlier, that's where they have their wealth, uh, mostly, is in property. Um, And it's not attainable to many people of my generation. So I think that they tend to lean towards that. Also... um, They're not only are they going to the university and expecting to get out with a job waiting for them on exiting, but uh, the universities are also doing a pretty daggone good job with indoctrinating people. Oh, yeah. Um, and they are promoting collectivism, uh, you know, obviously socialism, uh, Marxism, and I, I, I almost feel like while they appear to sometimes promote your individual, you know, let yourself shine sort of thing, I think it's kind of a little bit of baloney because when you actually go to classes and everything, they seem to talk down individual uh, liberties. Right. It's a little bit unusual.
0: Um, you know, my my generation, Sam, you know, and, and I think it's one thing that probably... Uh, we did wrong with the millennials now my kids are both gen xers and um, you know they were raised kind of like we were raised um but what the boomers did uh, the parents and the grandparents of of millennials um a boomer generation tended to be fixers we wanted to fix stuff we could make it better um And because of that, I think a lot of times the children of the boomers grew up getting stuff fixed for them. Uh, They weren't given that responsibility to make some decisions on their own, and because of that, you know, I think they expect somebody to fix it for them. I mean, uh, you know, you've got 30-somethings, you've got guys your age that are still living in mom and dad's basement and very happy to do that. Um, you know, we, uh, this is the generation, as, as I mentioned to Stephen, I think it was on the last episode, the generation of the participation trophy, the generation of self-esteem. You know, you know, we got to build you up, make you feel good about yourself. And I think that was doing a disservice, really, to some millennials.
1: I think that it's funny that you're, you're mentioning that right now because I was going to, I had a little thing that I thought of and I was going to say it about how I don't necessarily buy into, and I don't, you know, I don't want to speak poorly of the people that are struggling in my generation. I mean, it's a struggle Right, right that have struggled in every single generation during every point of time forever. And so that being said, you know, every generation has had their struggles or their nuts to crack, so to speak. Um, Our, the millennials, has been overcoming this employment and this wage problem. Uh, it is doable. I, I, I personally believe this, but it requires thinking outside the box. No one is going to give you that job, so you need to make it. Now, there are jobs out there, you know, if you want to go to university because you just know that you want to be a doctor or a lawyer or an engineer or a teacher, things like that. Yeah, you do need your degree. But we're shuffling kids in by the droves so that they can go out and be a barista at Starbucks. Right. And that, just like my grandfather used to say, what are you going to do with that degree? A degree might be nice to have, but if it's not worth anything more than the piece of paper it's on, other than the experience of going to college, then we need to start getting realistic and just don't go to college, you know, if that's all it's worth.
0: Right. We had, we have a friend whose grandson went to the Ohio State University up in Columbus, Ohio, which is soon to probably be Flavortown, Ohio, but that's a discussion for a different day. Uh... But he got a degree in chem- chemistry. This kid was uh, a genius. He was smart. He's working in a craft brewery, you know, as a, as a, as a brewmaster, and making very, very little money. He could have done a whole lot of different things. He could have been a doctor or whatever. But I guess if he enjoys what he's doing, that's, that's okay. But uh, like I say, a lot of, lot of millennials are, as you said... Disappointed when they get out and nobody's got a job to hand them when they walk out the door.
1: Yeah, at, at, at the end of the day, the rubber's got to the road. If you like doing it, that's okay. You know, nobody wants to be miserable their whole life. But at the same time, when you get to the age where you realize you need to settle down and you don't have anything, and I'm not saying that's the case for everybody, but don't point your fingers at the people that do. Right. Because it's not their fault. You know, every decision that we make, and I guess I'm keeping a very hard line here, and I hope that no nothing kind of happens to me like that. But I just think that there has to be individual responsibility. It all boils down to that: take responsibility for your own decisions and how they turn out. If you like it and you're okay with it, fine. You know, if you went to college because you wanted to go and you can't get a job, okay, how are you going to get a job? if no one will offer you a job this is america go out and get it and so I, that that leads me into the next part of this thing is that uh, i started a service job mowing lawns right you know it's, it's hard work but you know very well this uh Jerry this country is now a service focused country
0: yes we are uh,
1: there are millions and millions of aging Americans out there looking for trustworthy millennials to help them out. Right. Get a, Go out, get a skill set, and use it. Stop blaming others for no jobs. They may not be the job you envisioned or were told you were going to get, but you can only lean on that for so long. The, these jobs, the ones I'm talking about, you know, they're respectable. They pay the bills. You can see the fruits of your labor. You know there is no participation, Tracy, in this. You know the game. You can't you can't sit on the sidelines and watch the game because you're in it. And it, you know the the people my age, in my opinion, they need to. Just, they, need they
0: need to get, to get off together. the couch and go to work.
1: Yes, and that's what I meant about earlier. Every generation has their struggle, and so. This is a struggle. It's hard. You know, when you're being told your whole life this is going to happen, you've basically been spoon-fed. And I'm of that generation. I was spoon-fed. Everything I did, oh, that's the best. You know? But, you know, a lot of... At the end of the day, yeah, at the end of the day, you know, there's jobs out there to get. And I don't just mean minimum wage jobs. Right, right. actual jobs that require trades that you can go learn without having to go do much schooling. Maybe... If you want to get a little higher level, you could go to like a Zo school or something. But I mean there's there's plenty. And if you're a trustworthy person, especially in Huntington with this drug problem, you'll be you'll be busier than you'll ever be able to imagine.
0: Oh yeah. Try getting a handyman.
1: know, exactly.
0: yeah. I, I get questions all the time, do you know anybody who would do this or do you know anybody who would do that? And I know a couple of guys that, that do that kind of stuff. If I were a little bit younger, I'd be, I'd be doing that, but um, I'm uh, too old, well, I don't, too old to do that. But.
1: I don't want to make it sound either like there's 50 million handyman jobs. No, but the
0: there's, there's more than one.
1: There is a very reasonable amount. Uh,
0: I know some guys that make a great living detailing cars.
1: Yep, think outside the box, and that's all I'm saying. Think outside the box.
0: Well, I want you to hold that thought right there until next week, thinking about thinking outside the box. That's about all the time we have today uh, for our interview with uh, Sam Denning, but we'll finish that uh, recorded interview up next week. And uh, hopefully you enjoyed today's interview with Sam, and we hope that you'll tune in again next week listen as always it's been great to be with you as i've said many times before it wouldn't be much fun being here if you weren't here with us so uh, we hope you'll tune in again next week to be boomer unleashed but until then have a great week and may god bless each and every one of you goodbye